0: Hello and welcome to this week's installment of Nucleus Investment Insights. Our attention turns this week to the growing concern that both the rebound in asset and material prices and the enormity of financial support pumped into economies is now going to spill into the potential for higher levels of inflation. If you've only just tuned in, feel free to check out last week's show where we covered off on some historical examples of high inflation, and then assess whether the key inputs of inflation in the past apply going forward. The answer is no, probably not. We also looked at the impact of emerging economies, in particular China, on commodity prices and its subsequent impacts on inflation. As a behemoth in demand of global commodities, it makes a lot of sense to consider Chinese China's fortunes going forward, when forecasting inflation. Well worth a look if you haven't already. In today's show, we aim to cover off on what could be a pig in the Python of global inventories. This has come about as companies scrambling to fill gaps in their supply lines created by the pandemic have overbought inventories to fulfill unmet demand. They've also lifted stock levels to guarantee their orders are a higher priority and ensure that they are adequately supplied in the event of another disruption. Next week, we'll then finish off, of course, with ways that portfolios can be prepared to protect uh, both uh, from short-term inflation and hits, and also maximizing the upside of growth markets. Joining us today, uh, of course, to share his views is our Chief Strategist, David llewellyn smith Hello to you, David. G'day, Tim. And also here to share his thoughts on our take on the emerging inflation risks and how, they, uh, how we reflect these in our portfolios, we have Nucleus Wells' Head of Investments, Damien Klasson. Hello to you, Damien. Hi, Tim. And just a quick reminder, before we get started, if you haven't already, subscribe and click on the notification bell to be notified of when we go live or have a new webinar to watch or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. And we also ask if you could take a moment to click like on the video now to help our show grow and for those listening in live feel free to drop in your questions in the YouTube live stream chat to have them answered along the way all right so we'll get into it gentlemen uh so we've got our agenda for today so we're going to kick off with uh PMIs what's a PMI Damien just for those listening in
1: yeah I know I shouldn't I should be using uh, uh acronyms should I purchasing I'll manager index in yeah <laughs> I
2: know let's a... see
1: <clears throat> a purchasing manager index. And so these are surveys um, that are basically trying to get a, a view on what's happening at the moment. And, um, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll run into those once we, once we jump in.
0: Sure thing. Okay. So there we go. we will then be looking at typical inventory cycles. Uh, they'll, they'll be running across into uh, today's or current inventories, inventories and sales, rolling into retail sales. And then finally, having a look at capacity expansion as well. So uh, a big focus on uh, the inventories today. I'm really looking forward to it and the impacts, obviously, on how that can translate into, uh, into inflation, mate.
1: Yeah, it's a very exciting topic, the whole uh, inventories, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just for those yes. listening in, Dave nearly pulled the pin, but we enticed him back because it, it's going to be a good chat today. But uh, it's good. He's, he's a little bit under the weather. So uh, we, we do thank him for coming along.
2: Yeah. <laughs> my uh, pleasure pleasure just forgive my voice i've got a little bit of a cold so. no problems
0: all right very good so uh pmis damien booming
2: yeah
1: yeah so maybe we can bring up some charts so the um so purchasing manager index manager indexes so so what they are is they basically are asked it's a, it's a survey of of um people involved in in various industries and they get asked you know what what do you, What's happening next month, um are sales going up or are prices going up, or um how you're finding are you planning on hiring people? Like there's a whole bunch of these um survey type things, and they're all generally measured as uh a one-month are things better than last month or worse than last month. So they're not um the issue with it is it's it doesn't give you the context. So if you've had a really bad so so let's say in in the um so coronavirus hits. And there's this massive fall in terms of people's um, sales. If sales falls from 100 back to 50, and then the next month it goes from 50 to 55, the PMIs are actually really positive for that because they don't care that you're, you know, two months ago, you, you're still down 45% on where you were two months ago. They just care that where are you versus the, the prior month. So that's that's the first thing to just keep in context is that, um, you yeah, know, they're not <clears> – <throat> yeah, it's not a uh, – it's, it's not a one it's it's not an overall factor, it, it's just a, a one month measure on it. And so um and they're basically they're booming. So um am I might Dave, do you wanna jump in maybe? Do you want know, to these are you spend all day talking about this type of stuff or writing about them?
2: The PMIs. Yeah. Uh yeah, well, I mean they're they're sort of useful look when you're looking for changes in second derivative so you're looking for rate of change changes you know whether whether a rising trend is slowing or a falling trend is slowing uh so that you you they're they're useful in terms of picking turning points um but you got to be a little bit careful with them because they they are uh directional rather than positional so It's not much good looking at a PMI if you're after a year on year read for anything. It's really just about how we're going this month versus the last, Um, but there's no doubt that right now reads uh, across the world, across the industrial world. And when I say that, I mean, almost everywhere uh, is flat chat in the PMIs. Uh, Like you get a a huge wave of these things come out uh, at the end of each month. Summarizing the month prior and they've got some leading indicators in the in them as well, like new orders uh, and we've just been through a wave yesterday and the day before uh, and just crazy highs everywhere. so all the industrial uh, capacity in Europe, uh, the US, uh, across Japan, um, Taiwan, they're all just at record highs. Korea has come off for a couple of months. Southeast Asia was a little bit lagging because it's got COVID shutdowns but it was all they were all still experiencing record high um, new exports orders so their external environment was still really strong. The China's PMIs have come off a bit um, already uh, but they're still showing growth from what is a huge rebound from, from last year's slump. Uh, so the read, basically at this point, I look, I look, as said, I look at these things looking for hints about turning points. Uh, and the latest batch suggested that, you know, we're still going like, like the clappers, even though there's a few, there may be a few early warnings in, in like Korea PMI, for instance, which is very export driven um, and stuff which has been falling for a little while. Uh, and perhaps China a little bit too. We know there's a slowdown coming there, Uh, but it looks like aggregate demand in the global economy, especially in the industrial economy, which is servicing all of this huge um, demand for goods. that's come out of the pandemic with stimulus checks posted out everywhere and no one able to spend on services. Uh, It's still going strong. So, uh, you know, at this stage, uh, you know, I'm expecting it to, to sort of roll over soon, Uh, Because, you know, some of the stimulus starts to wind down, plus catch up growth, as we discussed previously in these chats, which is the phenomenon of, you know, growth that you was paused during the pandemic and then resumed, whether that be a building project or, uh, you know, someone else's uh, uh, IT project or whatever, they all resume. And so they resume alongside new activity. And so you get this big, like pig in the path, as Damien called it, of activity for a little while as you come out of it Um, and for the time being um, the pig is still we're still in the middle of the pig as it passes through the python Um, but um, what we're expecting is that it will pass through uh, and so those PMIs for too long will start to, to roll over and show the improvement in conditions slowing down dramatically. Absolutely. So, um,
1: so that first one, we're looking new orders. Uh, the next slide we've got, um, you know, just show, showing the backlog of orders is really high. Um, you can see their customer inventories are, are particularly low. So, um, even lower than they sort of hit, um, in, in the, in the recovery in 2008. So, um, all these signs, um, and then the next one we're just looking at some prices and, and out of stock things. So but they'd be all telling us the same story that, um, what we're looking at is uh, a, a real inventory shortage out there. And so I guess what I wanted to run through is sort of what a typical inventory cycle looks like, because, um, you know, the maths behind it is, there was very simple maths, but it's it's surprisingly, um, it, it's surprising how great the effect is on, on people who are downstream. And so I've got a, a, a table up there just sort of showing this, this steady state, um, uh, where you have a you have retailers you have wholesalers and you have manufacturers and basically the idea is the retailer is selling like 100 units every period whatever it is month or week or whatever it is and then they have this inventory of, of, of goods which um you know I've, I've called the inventory to sales ratio um i've called it in this case um uh, 1.5 so basically um if they're going to sell 100 a month they want to have 150 in stock because um you know they, they might have a big month and, and um, uh, you know, they want to be able to cater for that extra demand, and, and so usually there's a, you know, or, the, or if this is a weekly or whatever it is. But the idea is that you want to you want to have a bit more inventory in your um, in your stock than what you're selling because because um, you've got that 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 issue of making sure that you, you can have a big a big sales week without or a big sales month without sort of running out of out of things. So so yeah, so that just sort of flows through. Um, the next chart is the more interesting one where we say, okay, well let's let's say um, the uh, actually, I've skipped the chart here. Sorry. Yeah, they said, no, they've got it right. So let's. So we've got these these three new periods now: period four, five, and six. And and in the first period, with what we've had is the retailers dropped to ninety, so ten percent less sales for the for the retailer. And you can see that that means that they now end up because they had one hundred and fifty of inventory in the prior one, and now they've they've fallen to ninety, and they're only expecting ninety sort of going forward because of yeah you know, a coronavirus or whatever. Is now they've got one hundred and sixty sitting in their inventory. And and actually only want 135 because they want one and a half times. So so what that means is they're no longer going to place an order to their wholesaler for 100. They only want to place an order for 90. But they've already got um, all this extra inventory. So they so they actually only need to place an order for 65 um, to get their to get their inventory back to 135. And then after that they'll they'll start um, ordering the 90 again. And then the wholesaler does exactly that same thing with the manufacturer. And actually, and because of this uh, lagged effect, is that uh, the manufacturer actually only gets an order for 40. So you can see in terms of the, the retailer, um, yeah, so, so 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 basically bull whips your way down the end. So the retailers only had a 10% fall in sale, but the wholesalers actually had a 35% drop for that for that next period. And the manufacturers had a 60% drop. So the, the because there's all this inventory that sort of gets pushed through the system. And so it's a... Um, uh, yeah, and this is what sort of helps cause a typical cycle because this happens, you know, that the whole uh, – the, the manufacturers really suffer, the wholesalers really suffer. They go out and sort of start either firing people, or pulling in and um, or, or trying to save money, and then um, you, you know that affects other companies in it. And then you can sort of come out the other end, which is um, onto the next one, and, and I've only just put in here just normalising, so going back to 100. And when that happens, the whole thing goes back into reverse. So um, – I guess jumping right to the bottom, you can sort of see that the um, the retailers now up eleven percent to, to to go from ninety back up to 100. Um, the wholesalers actually jumped almost forty percent in that first month before falling back again. and the manufacturers jumped um, you know, almost uh, almost seventy percent in terms of the, uh, the the growth in terms of the sales. And that's what we're saying is is going on at the moment is that you've got this uh, inventory restocking cycle where uh, not only do you have <clears throat> uh, these stimulus checks bouncing around and and, and sort of three or four different effects which which we'll move on into in a minute but you've got the stimulus checks which are which is uh, increasing sales you've got uh, the fact that people can't buy as much services as, as they probably would want to buy uh, things like travel you just can't do and a lot of recreation and and, and all these other things that are sort of being shut down in, in, in various countries Um uh, and plus, there's the, the the respend of okay, people didn't spend for a little while in, in the in the lockdowns, and now they're now they're out a bit more money as as they're coming out of lockdowns. Um, plus the inventory cycle on top, you sort of added a whole bunch um, of factors all to this one um, the, the typical uh, cycle. So you've actually sort of extra um, extra juice the cycle, so to speak. Uh,
0: and we can see so, that. Damien, if you look... so, you, so you're saying we're in period ten at the moment, is it or period? What, uh, where yeah, go? where where are we now? Um, uh, we'll look slightly forward. We're coming through period eight, eight, yeah, okay, yep.
1: yeah, yeah. And it's and, and actually, having said that though, like this is probably a, um, I've just put a typical cycle. I would say the period, it period seven, it's probably it hasn't jumped to 100, it's probably jumped to 120 or something like that, mm. but, then it's, but then it will fall back to
0: even it'll fall back to 100 yeah.
1: eventually, but but there's actually a yeah, there's actually an, an even bigger push than what I've shown to this one. Like this is just a yeah, this is a typical sales falls by ten percent. How does everyone get affected? Sales sales goes back to what it was. But I think we're in a we're in a special case
2: for for where we are now for ourselves. Sure. Yep. That, that, that being said, I add that as boring as this appears, this is actually the the basic mechanism of every recession. Like this is what drives a recession. I mean, there are obviously different triggers and there are balance sheet issues and stuff that create these circumstances for a recession. But the actual crash in growth that you get for a recession is largely driven by this cycle. So if you go back to where we started, where you get a knock, say, from sales from 100 to 90, which is from some sort of shock, typically that's going to be a financial market freeze or an asset market crash, whatever it happens to be, and then you get a pandemic, well, in this case, a pandemic, then you'll get those cascading impacts that go through the industrial system and you're suddenly minus 60% demand. Hmm. And then once that sort of passes and a bit of stimulus is thrown in and the the end user comes back in and buys um, and you either pop back up to the 100 or go a little over the top, then suddenly you get this huge cascade of extra demand and the whole industrial system tears out of the recession. And so you always get this huge pop coming out of a recession. This is very, very, very typical. It's just, as Domo says, this one is very exaggerated. Mm. The, dip yeah. was, the dip was so deep and uh, and there are very particular uh, sort of demand distortions that go with the pandemic. Mm. Sort of.
1: And 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 the other thing is, worth saying, like I've called it periods in each of these because for some industries this might be quarters, for other industries say, it's yeah, months, for other yeah, ones it's days.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, was going to say because you've got you know, so many different forms of supply chain, haven't you? You've got things that can be trucked from one town to the next, and then others that need to come across by ship for certain, you know, months over overseas. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So so yeah, so so
1: everything. Different industries will be, will be affected at different times by that yeah. as well. So, so for some industries, um, you know, they're probably already at period ten, and they're they're yeah. back into the normal, yes you know, circumstances. Whereas, whereas I think most of them are sort of somewhere between seven and nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, if we look at this, then at the next chart, what I've got here is just for for the U.S. market, just the total um, inventory to sales. So, um, and we can see that that's that's really slumped. So, so the number of, um. Uh, yeah, so the amount of inventory that people have compared to the sales um, is, is now down to sort of you know one point or close to one point two, and certainly lower than it's been any time over um, the last sort of thirty odd years. Um, so, so it's really showing that inventories have really fallen. You're in this you're in this stage where they, they you do need to have the restocking. Um, I've got a chart there that breaks it out into the different areas, so you can see the retailers versus wholesalers versus manufacturers. And 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 actually, I must note though as well, this is only the March data, so everything sort of is a bit mixed up. So we do have some some April data for some things, but not not the full set yet. And so um, and you see, it's mainly affecting the uh, the retail side of this has been the real uh, the real part that's hit. So there is probably still a, you know a bit more to come through that. Um, uh, and that, so that was at the end of March, and so now we're really seeing we've had April, and we're you know we're we're, we're done with May as well so um and that's where we're really starting to, to to feel the uh the manufacturers so so i expect you'll see that line you know the next two months will really dip down as as you actually see what's what's going on because because what we're feeling today from the PMIs, the purchasing mani- uh the purchasing manager indexes and other things is is actually a right now versus um this stuff which is, is really looking in the rear 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 vision mirror yeah. um so then if i jump into uh Actually, breaking it down to, to what's going on, the the next uh, ta- is just a table of of um, <laughs> the two parts to it: the inventories and the sales. And so you can see that the sales um, has really picked up for the retail side. So so that sort of cruised along the whole time. You had the wholesaler manufacturer, um, yeah, exactly that inventory cycle we spoke about. You can the the wholesaler sort of moved a little bit earlier than the, than the the retailer. And then the manufacturing sort of followed behind that so that the wholesalers sort of started turning green a little bit earlier and you can see now that the wholesalers as at march the wholesalers um you know retail was running at 12 percent growth the wholesalers had picked up to six percent, whereas manufacturing was still you know waiting they're sort of lagging behind at that point point. Mm. and what we fully expect is you, you'll see that this will flow through the, the retail will peak then the wholesale will peak a month or two afterwards, and then the manufacturing will peak a month or two after that. So, um, just a very typical inventory cycle. And you can see that about two-thirds of that that decline we spoke about before is really coming from very strong sales, and then the other part's coming from weak inventories, which is important because if you think that this is a – that most of the retail spend is people who have been given stimulus checks um, and can't spend it on services – and so they're spending it on um, on goods instead. Is that uh, the, the higher, the more that comes from from higher sales? And and if and if, if people sort of leaving their inventories, going, you know what, I'm not going to let my inventories, um, I'm not going to build up these massive inventories expecting this to to keep on going. Then the effect won't be as much when you come out the other side. But the problems come where if if pe- once people start thinking, hey, this is a new normal. Actually, I do need to keep these massive amounts of inventories. That's where you can, um, yeah, you, the shock on the other side is is much worse. Yeah. So there is a little bit of pre- preliminary data for retail sales um, for the, uh, I've got that on the next chart for, for some categories. It's, they're not all sort of out at the moment and, and um, you know, apologies for, for, for how small this is, but i um, will <clears throat> post something up later on today that, that sort of has this in a bit more detail, but, I guess the the key message from this next chart is, um, or the next table, sorry, is that that things are booming. Um, And they they keep booming into, so far they keep booming into April. So these are are different measures, but, um, you know, we're certainly seeing um, retail and food services is sort of up 10%. It was up 10% in March and and up again another 10% in April. Uh, You look through all the categories. Clothing's a bit weak, but. Besides that, everything's, everything else is just running at these incredible levels that, um, yeah, just way above um, prior levels. And I've done these as a, as a two-year annualized growth. So the other problem is if you look back one year, that looks even better. Like you just get these massive figures that, that um, to be frank, um, are a little bit meaningless because a year ago, um, the U.S. was all in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so – and everyone <clears> – <throat> we're still getting used to the, how, how lockdowns worked and, and things weren't working and people weren't going to, you know, businesses weren't set up to, to be to be run with remote and, and all those types of things. So uh, the two-year gives you a much better feel, but you can see that, you know, just across the board, um, you know, things like sporting goods and stuff like that up almost 20% on a, on a two-year annualised basis and basically anything to do with cars and car parts and all that type of stuff up close to 20%. And you look, yeah, on a two year analyze basis as well. So, yeah, certainly um, uh, the retail side is going very, very, very strong.
0: Um, just a question on that. So, obviously, we're looking at a, a fairly broad macro um, piece. Is there a, an opportunity to uh, test the narrative on, say, a country that's um, a, a fair bit further ahead in, in terms of recovering from COVID? So, you know, obviously, we've had stimulus and then things have gone back to normal. I, 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 an easy one <laughs> always jumps out is New Zealand that always seems to be doing. Quite well, and um, you know, being being at the head of the pack in terms of that small economy, granted, and you know, a lot of exports. But is there an opportunity mm. to test the theory on uh, on on, one on, on some
1: of those? Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, the, the problem though, as well, even with New Zealand though, is you've still got the problem is that people can't people can't travel much, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's not the same type of travel, so they're still a little bit limited in terms of what they're spending. Um, yep. But you, you do see the narrative follows. I haven't, I haven't checked New Zealand in detail, actually, I must admit. But, but I've looked, at, you know, Australia, um, Japan, uh, Europe, and sort of, they're all at different stages of it. But um, the narrative sort of sort of adds up as as you look through different countries.
2: Yeah. I think um, I would probably look at China as the leading mm-hmm. case. First in, yep. first out, first to stimulate, first to corral the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, And and been growing through those various factors the longest. Yep. Uh, That said, the stimulus is is very differently structured than the Western stimulus. Like they go much more supply side than they do demand. Uh, But well, and the other thing is they're they're benefiting
1: from all this uh, a lot of this stuff. So all you know, lots of big left twenty percent left in car parts in the US means that the the supplies in China are actually running at um at full tilt
2: absolutely um uh i mean the experience of china is that the the, the consumer uh i mean as i say they they did stimulate consumption to an extent and certainly did in trying to stimulate house prices a little bit and so some of those classic asset price spillovers for households etc but uh the consumption rebound in china was was okay um Understimulated versus others and has come off pretty quick. Right. Yep. Um, So, you know, the, the nature of the developed economy is a stimulus is about to change a lot. It's been all demand side till now, and it's about to go all supply side. Hmm. Like uh, I'm not talking about next month, but over the next 12 months. So, you know, we've had, Two or three huge waves of um, household-targeted stimulus in the US. I think to the tune of of nine trillion. Is it? Damo? it's seven to nine trillion. It's something. Yeah, it's it's an enormous number, uh, which has delivered the chart we've got here on personal consumption expenditures. Like just a V-shaped recovery out of what was, you know, an almost ruined economy. and we've got another four trillion planned, but that that's not going to come through until sort of late next year. That's the Biden stimulus, and and the, and the reason there'll be a lag is because it's supply side, it's infrastructure, it's human infrastructure. Um, you know, it's education, it's health, it's all sorts of stuff, um, but all or nearly all supply side directed. So <clears throat> um, you know, focused on productivity gains and. Uh, etc. So that takes it's not shovel ready as it were. It's very easy to throw a check at households and get a bang for your Mm. buck but it takes time to do more time to do supply side stuff. Quality supply side. It doesn't take China long because they just throw a check at a property developer. It Mm. throws up another apartment block but if you get to do it properly it takes time so there is a lag um, as the US this huge demand side stimulus rolls off year on year. So we had big stimulus checks come out in the second half of last year. And so and then at early this year, and so once we get to sort of pushing it through q3 and q4 this year, that will automatically roll out of the numbers. Uh, and so you'll have a, just an absolute fiscal cliff of stimulus. Uh, and that then has a bit of an air pocket before we get to the Biden stuff later in 2022. Um, so um, in terms of how that's going to hit this, this inventory cycle and, and looking at China, I guess, as the leading indicator, I mean, there is an air pocket there for, for consumption, I think.
0: Yeah.
2: It's not all doom and gloom because as that stuff rolls off, the private sector reopens and you get that different activity. But it is an enormous amount of money that was spent in the economy last year that won't be spent this year. And so ipso facto, that's just a big blow to potential growth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this good versus services chart um, that we had up there, if we can just put that back up again. So what that's basically showing is, yeah, so, so US personal consumption expenditures, which is the expenditure on, on both goods and services, um, it said sort of hit, come back to that, that line it was on before. Um, it's, it's been through that big dip. And then you can see on the, the chart on the right though shows in the latest month where most of the spending's been. And you can see that the ones that are dominating the top part is the services. And that's what we're talking about is this whole switch in the handover from um, you know durable goods and 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 all those other factors now on a relative basis um, falling back. And and as people can spend on on travel and recreation and things like that, they are starting to spend on that. And mm-hmm. so that's that's that same part we're talking about where we're saying okay well if we are in an inventory cycle and people are spending money on on manufactured goods because that's all they can spend it on and then that's changing there's just one more reason to say well the growth we've seen and, and this boom we're seeing at the moment is not sustainable and, and will come it, to a finish
0: and tide's got to go out again yeah,
1: yeah. so right. then you go okay well, what what are manufacturers doing so they're they're obviously having these massive uh, increases in demand, and and the the danger is that um, you know the, the the manufacturer gets this whatever it was seventy percent increase in the um, in 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 orders. They rush out and and increase their, their capacity, and you know they go around and, and create all this extra supply to um, to be able to service the demand they can see at the moment. And then just as that demand rolls off, they turn out and go, oh, okay, now we can you know now we can handle fifty percent more supply, and and the person. At the other end goes well. I don't want fifty percent more supply. I just I just wanted that to fill my inventory. Now I'm now I'm good. You know now you you're about to fall back, in terms of your um, you know fall back to a normal level, and so and then then you get all you know if, if too many suppliers have done that, then they start competing with each other, saying well I've just built all this extra supply. I want to get some money for it. So what if I cut my prices? Will I be able to sell more? And if everyone's doing the same thing, then you actually end up with with the deflationary um, mm-hmm. end of this. So. Um, you can see you know this capacity expansion um this is so this is a uh, an OECD one is that you know equipment and software in particular um has just skyrocketed in terms of the spending on that um we can see capital goods um you know if you get rid of defense and you get rid of aircraft <laughs> they could be very lumpy, but you can see you know that whole capital goods is has spiked considerably higher so um yeah it does very much look as if um companies are out there spending. Um, yeah, to 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 increase capacity.
0: And just just to and- add to that as well, Damien. Obviously, um, from the stimulus uh, stimulus point of view, and obviously probably talking more about Australia that I know has happened, but not not I'm sure it's happened around the world. Is that companies have been you know um, given you know significant uh, impetus and stimulus to do exactly that, haven't they? Through you know tax write offs or you know bring forwards and and all the bits and pieces that they can do to sort of um, get out there and. Expand their factories uh, into yeah. new for this new demand. Yep. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I think Australia, to me, is one of the um, is more extreme on this end than a lot of other countries. They've certainly targeted uh, capex in Australia uh, considerably more than than, um, than than particularly the US and but also um, also Europe. But um, but yeah, but there still is definitely in those countries. There's still a, a fair bit of support
2: for um, for this capital expenditure. Mm-hmm. I think. In Australia's case, you know, an elegant way of describing it is probably that we're about to enter an era of historically cheap toilet paper for many years. (laughs) Because as we know, every time we go through one of these lockdowns, you know, toilet paper demand goes through the roof. And so there's been all sorts of fantastic capacity expansions in the toilet paper. Now, the moment the nation is vaccinated, you know, we're going to be flooded with with cheap toilet paper
0: wallpapering our houses in toilet paper (laughs) (laughs) rather than money (laughs) yes yeah very good um all right cool Mm.
1: so yes that sort of leads to this um capacity expansion part so um and sort of you know i guess finishes off really is is basically saying well it does look awfully like we're going through an inventory cycle and 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 it and even if it was just a typical inventory cycle, we'd expect to see this massive increase um, in, in sales. But then we've also added to that um, uh, stimulus checks within within the US um, and some, to a certain extent, other countries, but, but very much in the US. Uh, we've got the reopening as people are, um, uh, you know, pent- some pent up demand as things they haven't done and, and they're getting back out and, and, um, uh, and doing things and spending more money now as as they're sort of feeling a bit safer and 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 other things with uh with vaccinations and then we've got the whole goods versus services where um people have been spending more on goods because they haven't been able to spend on services and that sort of leaves us this this massive sort of pig sort of pushing that way through its python and and sorry then to cap it off we've got companies out there spending money to, to increase their capacity um and so when it rolls off and the question is, is, is this a couple of months, or is this a six month period, or is this a 12 a month period? You know, there's this, there's, and, and it'll change between industries. Um, but you know, the question is, as it rolls off, um, chances are what we're actually looking at, um, this creating, uh, de- being a deflationary push. So at the moment it's inflationary because everyone's rushing around trying to get, trying to, you know, the supply chains are empty. They're trying to bid up prices of, of things, but, um, yeah, some of the types of things that were short, particularly say the car industry, is very short of chips. Uh, and the chips they're, they're short of though aren't their high-end chips. It's the very cheap chips, so the ones that sort of, you know, doing the, the the car mirrors or or, or the or the doors or, or or whatever it is. These very very cheap chips that have been around for a long period of time um, that the chip makers aren't making because they they make very small margins on them. They make much larger margins on these other ones, and. Net effect to the overall cost of the car isn't very much, and once they, um, yeah, but there will be extra capacity in it. There's, there's certainly people who are willing to produce that. It's just that if you've got, if you only have one factory, then you're not willing to produce sort of in the in the in the in the quantity that they want them at the moment. So um, yeah. there's a staggering
2: amount of money going into semiconductors. It's, mm. it's staggering. Mm. So yeah, you go out a year or two, there's going to be um, a huge glut. Yes. And a lot of it, I mean, we don't, I guess, want to get too far into this, but some of these strategic sectors, they're they're being politicised as well, because the pandemic has kind of revitalised consideration of sovereignty. And Mm. so you have various political incentives to build out capacity as well, beyond what the market will need. So that will also be deflationary in due course
1: yeah and and there's you'll probably find i, I expect there'll be a, a little bit of a i don't know what the two or three year cycle that's sort of a little bit embedded into the 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 industry a bit more now than what it used to be in that um we just went through a year where all of a sudden a huge proportion of the, the, the developed world's population needed just to, to go to working from home and there was a big spend on you know we saw video cameras and and laptops and um, you know microphones and all these types of things that were in this real shortage as, as people all bought them. Um, they won't need to buy a new laptop for a few more years, you know mm-hmm. so but, but then there'll probably be another push, you know, say in three years time as all the laptops from last year are running out, <laughs> that, that, that everyone needs to start going and buying new 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 equipment. but there mm. is that yeah, there's certainly that element of um, a lot of money was spent over the last year on 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 equipment like laptops um, that probably won't be spent in in future years. Sorry, it will be re again, but there'll be a bit of a lull in terms of everyone's just got one, so they can last a couple of years before they need the upgrade.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, I might just – I'll throw out, of course, to anyone listening in as well to feel free to pop in some questions into the YouTube live stream chat. Um, I've, got, I've got a question. I, I, I want it to sort of maybe serve as a bit of a precursor for what's coming up next week uh, in our sort of capstone into uh, the, the – um, uh how we can turn these into the portfolio sort of solutions and whatnot but um so when we're looking so obviously we're looking at the manufacturing side here and that's you know this this demand um sort of driven inflation piece um it has i guess you know as we mentioned before there's there's sort of short medium and long-term um manufacturing cycles and supply chains and everything else at play Um, is that is that going to ease perhaps the um, potential for a shock in inflation? So obviously we're seeing at the moment things are tight, you know, orders are high, um, but then will uh, short shorter, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So the shorter supply line Fed thing be able to actually ease uh, some of that shock, uh, the, the, the potential for inflation demand shock um, over time? Or do you think it's sort of just, it's something that's just going to sort of hit like a wall?
1: I, I think, I mean, uh different industries, there is slightly because different industries are on in different time frames. My view is very much that um, it's coming like a wall because um, it's it's been so globally synchronized that we all sort of locked down pretty much at the same time. And, you know, there's a little bit of sway in the vaccination side, but but you know, certainly most um, uh, northern European northern hemisphere countries sort of seem to be following relatively similar patterns in terms of how they're coming out. And although the US certainly had a big head start, um, you know, the, the the vaccine rollout in, in Europe really is going um, ahead quite strongly at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think you'll find um, uh, it's it's pretty compressed. It'll be a very compressed cycle. And so a lot of it will all happen at the same time My view, relative to other ones, yeah. other cycles where you might have seen a economic crash in one country and then slowly working its way through to other countries.
2: Hmm. Dave? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why we're calling it the pig in the python, uh, which, I mean, we don't want to labour the metaphor, but it's – literally the case of a python swallowing a large meal and the lump passes down its digestive tract Uh, and you know the the trick is as it passes through you know does the snake snap back to its former diameter or does it get stretched and then there's no pig anymore Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean and so the whole snake ends up just falling flat (laughs) because Because it's a bigger snake, and the pig's gone. Uh, There's nothing to eat. I think you might have stretched it. Oh, okay. I don't know
1: what you say. Yeah, I've definitely
2: stretched it.
0: That's yeah, all right. It's just that meta- metaphor too far. It's a- That's all right. Um, a question's coming. Actually, thank you, Paul. Um, does deflation lead to default?
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Simple answer answer. the the longer answer is will central banks and governments how how much are they going to try and protect people from default that uh, was my
0: next question yep
1: yeah so so,
2: the other thing is what we're talking about here is it's probably what a 12 to 18 month cycle as this comes off and we expect commodity prices to bust into this as well um with China leading the tightening uh, on monetary and fiscal policy, uh, but then you look beyond that, and as I was talking about before, once you, get, once you get past the air pocket in fiscal demand in the U.S., and you get into later 2022 and 2023, you know there's a lot more fiscal coming, um, a lot more stimulus coming, um, uh, and so you know the, this is a sort of boom bust in inflation, and at the end of it. You, you're still going to be starting a relatively new business cycle uh, with reasonably uh, robust labour markets, and you'll have all of this second wave of supply-side stimulus come through. And so it should actually result in higher inflation versus the low inflation cycle that we've just experienced over the whole cycle. Um, but you've got this wild boom and bust mm-hmm. coming. Round inventories at the beginning, um, and then we settle into something that you know is a little bit driven by modern monetary theory (MMT), more fiscal than we had in the last cycle. Uh, and I, I, don't, I think we we think that the deflationary forces are still very large structurally, so it'll still be very difficult to produce inflation. But the right to approach to it is to spend more fiscally, and that's what the US is planning. And so it, at least, will have stronger inflation than the last cycle that is not tear away inflation and it's very unlikely to be scary inflation but more than they had which is mm. one reason why once we get through all of this stuff uh these booms and busts at the beginning that were quite bullish on u.s growth u.s inflation and new at the u.s dollar mm, okay
1: but and in the interim though as well like a lot of, that's the longer-term view, that's subject to to what we see governments doing. So, if if you all of a sudden had a big pushback to the Republicans, say in in the uh, in the midterms, and and Biden loses his majorities, and Republicans have decided that um, they do want to pull back on spending for either some of them uh, for real purposes because they, they they think this spending is wasted, and other ones for for political purposes because they believe that a weaker economy means that they've got a better chance of getting their their president in. Um, you know, if you see those types of things happening, um, then then a lot of the, a lot of what David's talking about starts to unravel. So yeah. you know, a lot of this is very and much dependent China, upon...
2: China. And China may turn the spigot back on, mm. you know, at any minute, and and uh, you know, commodities get the support that they're about to lack. You know, so obviously it's all very, very policy dependent.
0: Yeah. Very good. Um, question I had, and I was sort of just borrowing off probably the other side of Paul's. Um, question there and does deflation lead to default? a question for me is does inflation lead to default? And where I'm going with this is obviously uh, you know, central bank responses to, you know, their two general drivers, which is, you know, controlling unemployment and and keeping, you know, tabs on inflation. Um how 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 long would a sustained inflation um bubble say, you know, if this pig in the pipe comes true, uh, would need to be sustained, or do you think that they're they're capable of seeing through it as well before they start deciding they're going to need to tighten? I think there's
2: two things on that front. The first one is the risk that they uh, fall for the inflation panic. And, yep. and so you get you get a policy error. I mean, it doesn't look like they're going to do that in the US um, or here, but it's always a risk. Uh, and then uh, long term, well, absolutely. I mean, Goldman was out today with a reasonable note, I think, from Jan Hatzis saying, um, you know, the... The drive for inflation, the fiscal drive for inflation, and monetary um, in the US, uh, you know, may succeed. In which case, um, they'll actually have to hike rates more later because they've done fewer earlier. Yep. Uh, and so, if they do embed inflation and inflation expectations, and they get some decent wage rises, say three and a half percent or so, or maybe even four, um, then. You know, and I'm talking about a labour market down at three percent unemployment. You know, quite tight. Um, then, then they, you know, we will see some rate rises. And yes, you, you know, you're going to get some default come out. Um, but I think that's, but, but l- yeah, that's... High and large. I think that's a circumstance that's contained to the U.S. Um, and this comes back to the way we see the U.S leading the cycle and China lagging it and so if the US is out front with all this fiscal spending and delivering more inflation and I'm not saying they're going to have to hike rates to the moon at all but if they have to hike them a little more than they did the last cycle um, in a few years time when their labour market's really tight then you know the US dollar runs and so you you've got China structurally slowing and dragging down commodity prices you've got a strong US dollar dragging down commodity prices And that whole um, arrangement of a strong U.S. and a softening China is really deflationary for the world. And so you'll start to see Europe really struggling. Emerging markets will really struggle behind China. uh, And that becomes really deflationary. And eventually that feeds back into the U.S. Mm. It caps how far its inflation can get. Um, And you've got policy inputs all the way along here as well. But if the if that's the basic structure of the cycle, and it does look like it will be with the Biden stimulus uh, very likely to get passed by budget reconciliation, then, then that's how it plays out. Hmm. But 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 answering your question though, Tim,
1: <laughs> or, or para, or in a, in a short way, is that inflationary extra inflation is, is particularly in wages is actually good. That'll it, that'll prevent defaults more than it'll create defaults what David's saying is that might create the conditions that later on make make a, the defaults worse in the future but um, but in its short term no you want that's what the governments absolutely want um, high ish inflation and low interest rates so they can start paying down their own debt burdens and let consumers yep. pay down their, their debt burdens and companies yeah, um, yeah right. I, it's, it's basically this same setup as what we saw in following you know most of the world war most sort of big wars. Is that they, in particular, World War II, Is that they want to keep um, uh, they want to keep rates quite low, allow some inflation to to help deflate, deflate the, the size of debt. the debts, yep. and then um, yeah, and then off you go back to a, a more normal uh, cycle.
0: Hmm. Okay, very good. Thanks, gents. Um, just have one, from Jeffrey O'Neill as well. Thanks, Jeffrey. Uh, will food and natural resource inflation be longer lasting? Eg, lumber in short supply. Beef prices are so high; so- suppliers are reducing herds, reduce future supply. Labour issues for fruit and vegetables. So more of the, the soft stuff. Yeah. Okay. So um, vegetables, I think we're seeing
1: deflation in uh, generally. The, that's the price has been quite weak there. Um, fruit prices. There's been some a fair few hikes in prices. Now the question with those is, um, yeah, are are those supply are the shortages in terms of labor is is that a permanent feature or is that something that that will be solved and so if it's a permanent feature then then yeah it'll be higher but I don't think it is a permanent feature I think it is a very short term um and I think most for the most part now now that we know a lot more about coronavirus um you know the uh uh outdoors is actually there's a very low risk of of transmission outdoors and um and so I think you'll find fruit picking is um it's get probably more movement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about the next hot job, but yeah, there's certainly more Once you get some more movement, I suppose it's getting movement in in terms of people from from poorer countries to to richer countries, I suppose that's that's probably a uh, key one there. So you could see a little bit there. Um uh the lumber is um is very much a building factor. And mm-hmm. so um and and a lot of that's this switch between um building apartments to building houses. And so uh so lumber prices—they're certainly very high. Uh, they're at a level now where um, it is—it is incredibly um, profitable to go out and and, and plant more. Um, but obviously, it takes a while to grow, and so that's, that's that is one area where where there the, the probably will be a lag. But you're really dependent upon uh, the building cycle as well continuing, which it probably will. In, but you know, there are some there are some things that sort of. You, like with rising interest rates in the US, maybe that puts a bit of a damper on it. it does seem to have put a bit of damper recently, but but you know, j- as a general rule, I'd say it'll probably be strong. But will prices be as high as what they are now? That's the next question. Is or will you start seeing um, well, people lumbar, say, "Well,
2: lumber prices have already started to come off, which doesn't mean they won't go back up again." Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: But well, here, here in all of the states, the
0: lumber prices are the highest, one of the highest they've ever been. Sort of. Yeah, you know, yeah they are. They're extreme. Reddening. But been,
2: yeah. they are, a lot of that housing construction is front end loaded. So we've already seen pretty reasonable falls from the volumes that we had during home builder here. I mean, we've still got a very strong housing cycle, so it's not going to collapse, but it's definitely going to come off from the very high levels that we've had. And I'd say that's likely worldwide.
1: Mm. But it is but that point that there are some things and lumber is a good example of one where, um, Suppliers will absolutely produce lumber at at costs from last year. Like they're they're happy to do it, but um they'll they'll and now that they're double, they they as many people are that can get out and plant and try and push it through. But that's going to just take time. Um, beef's another one that will take more time. Obviously, a cow takes you know longer to, to to grow. So as I said, you you might be cutting down your herds, but you're you're doing everything you can to you know inseminate as many as you can and 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 put and grow those herds back. But that that again will take time um, other other food items tend to be a lot faster in terms of uh you know the, the cycles we've seen in the past is if you're talking about growing uh, wheat or you're growing barley or corn or whatever it is if the, if the prices are high they start using land that they wouldn't have otherwise used and they they you know there's 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 things that um they start converting other fields into, into crops to, to do that. And, and then the fields that might not actually be very good at growing those, but it's better than nothing. And, and mm. the, so they'll get, and the prices are so high, they're good to make it. So, so agricultural demand tends to be pretty quick. You tend, and, and as well as well, you have different growing seasons. Like in, in um, Brazil, in certain places in Brazil, they've got like three or four growing seasons a year. So, um, that's, it's a matter of saying, um, I have no doubt at all in terms of the food side, especially as population growth has actually sort of sh- shrunk a bit worldwide. Is that on the food side, uh, food side, we'll we'll get back to the the um, the old prices because that that happens so quickly. But mm-hmm. there will be elements like beef or, or or lumber that just take a number of years before before you get back. But but by the time it does, chances are um, you know out there right now, there's probably people planting forests and forests more than what we're going to need. And so, in three years' time or four years' time, as as um, you know, some of that wood is maybe longer, just just mature enough to, to start getting picked. There'll be a there'll be a big um, glut at some point going
0: forward. Mm, okay, fair enough. Uh, it just makes me think of that chart I saw uh, this week, where uh, matching off avocados to Bitcoin, and avocados won <laughs> so far in the past past couple of years. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the uh, just before we uh, we wrap up, uh, actually, here we go. I've Got a question come in. Um, from Candy Flip. Uh, so, if you had to summarize uh, your view on inflation in the last two weeks into fifty words or less, oh, wow! You do it. it, 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 it you do tweet. Tweet, tweet length. A tweet
2: length. Is it?
0: Yeah, I can do uh, it. In, in, okay. in the U.S., it's boom,
2: bust, grind. Oh, <laughs> how many words is that?
0: That's probably a few spare. But anyway, that's alright. Yeah. <laughs> no,
2: no, no. Boom, yeah. bust, grind. In Australia. I'd say it's more rebound, grind, lower, um, whereas in the U.S. it's it's boom, bust, grind, higher. Okay. Very good. Thanks for that. Um... But that, that will hang, in Australia, it will hang on, uh, ultimately it will hang on whether they're going to restore immigration or not, mm. which is immensely deflationary. Yep.
0: All right. Very good. Um, and just finally, uh, so what what do we got to look forward to next week, guys? Uh, so we're going to so, convert so all they, of this they, all of this into uh, practical. What do you do about it? Yeah, yeah. portfolio pieces. So yep, yep,
1: yeah. absolutely. So um, yeah. So have got a, you've got your portfolio. What do you what do you do about all these changes? How do you how do you approach it? Um, and uh, and keep in mind as well, like a lot of the things we've been talking about have a number of elements of um, it's not going to. Yeah, you, know, you can't be certain right now exactly how government's going to react. Um, how long some of these supply chain issues are going to take to to fade? You know, the whole bunch of other issues. Um, is that you sort of need to go? Okay, well, if I knew for, with absolute certainty that this was all going to happen, then here's where the portfolio would be. Um, and then, how certain are you? And and how are we moving to that point um, over time as as certainty grows?
0: Okay, very good. All right, gents. Well, that's uh, just about time for today. So thanks very much for part two on the uh, inflation special. We're looking forward to next week. We'll jump across to our viewers' question of the week as well. Uh, sorry, the question of the week this week is, is this a typical inventory cycle or indeed something different as, as we feel as well? So uh, always uh, great to, to see your comments and feedback in the, in the chat uh, for us to, to read as well. So looking forward to those. Uh, So we'll wrap it up. Thanks again to all of those uh, who've watched in live for another great episode uh, and to those people who've asked some questions as well. I hope you've taken away some great ideas. And if you haven't already, uh, please feel free to click like on the video now to give us some feedback. Uh, If you'd like to see more of our content, head on over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash content to start to date on news from us. uh, Follow us on social media, of course. And finally, if you know anyone who gets something out of today's episode, Let them know about it, share with a friend and help our show grow. So thanks again for tuning in from myself, Tim Fuller and the team. And we look forward to catching you with the next one. Cheers.